how would I like to be remembered? I guess somebody that, uh, you know, gave a hundred percent effort, uh, you know, every, every point. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that doesn't look at, you know, look ahead and like, Oh, we need five points. Let's get five points. Let's get a pass and then let's set the ball and then let's hit the ball. I love giving back to the game that gave me everything. You know, I'm just out here to help people. On this episode of Establishing Your Empire, I host Adam Johnson and LJ Luciano. Adam Johnson is one of the winningest players in pro beach volleyball history. He's won over $1.6 million in prize money with 44 event titles. Johnson and Karch Karai just missed qualifying for 2000 Sydney Olympic Games when Karai suffered an injury in the final qualifying event. He won the King of the Beach in 1984. He was a member of the U.S. national team, a three-time All-American at USC, and is in the Hall of Fame. Also joining us is LJ Luciano, who co-created the self-proclaimed coolest group in the sand, the San Wannabes. The group has over 10,000 members and provides a medium for players of all levels to find where to play, meet other players, and chat about volleyball. You're listening to the Establishing Your Empire show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, creatives, and future business owners to pursue their passions, grow their organizations, and build their empire. My name is Darren Herman, and creatively, I'm best known for my photography. But business-wise, my claim to fame is growing a company from 15K per month in online sales to breaking the $1 million a month barrier. And I'm sitting down with interesting people to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they have established their empires. Welcome to the Establishing Your Empire show. I got a special show here. We got two different guests. So uh, I got Adam and LJ here, both volleyball kings of the court here in Austin, Texas. Well, at least one of them is. But uh, why don't we start off and give a quick kind of overview of who you are so people who don't know who you are. Uh, well, my name is Adam Johnson. Uh, I grew up in uh, Laguna Beach, California, where I played volleyball. I started playing volleyball uh, at age 13, uh, kind of late for uh, volleyball. Um, played all the way th- in high school, got a scholarship, went on to play USC. After USC, uh, was on the national team for a couple of years, uh, decided to uh, forego playing on the national team and go overseas and play in Italy. Uh, so I left the team and was banned for life. Um, that's always that's a good one to have on the resume. Uh, and then I knew once I was once I came back, I started playing on the uh, ABP tour, uh, and that started in 1990 until 2000, and moved to uh, Austin, Texas, uh, in 2006, and started a indoor and beach juniors program here in town, and it's uh, still alive and kicking. Wow, LJ. Well, I'm not going to be able to top that. So I started playing volleyball at 34 years of age, which is a little late, obviously. Uh, so I'm basically here because I created the Sand Wannabes, which is an enthusiast group in Austin, and it's grown to other cities in Texas and one in Oklahoma, with a goal of being the VFW or the Elks Lodge of beach volleyball, where you move to Baltimore, you move to Phoenix, and you can just plug yourself into that volleyball community because you were a Sand Wannabe in Houston, Austin, Dallas, wherever. Um, and I just... A lover, the lover of the game, really. So let's start off like just so you know. A lot of my audience is going to be more of these entrepreneurial folks, all this stuff. So let's dive right into how many championships have you won, stuff like that. So people say, okay, this is somebody who is not just a volleyball player. This is 
you know, somebody who's been around the block a long time. Right. Well, uh, I have total uh, of uh, 45 open victories uh, worldwide. Uh, nine of those, which are majors, like five U.S. championships. I have a world championship. I have a king of the beach. Um, I'm sure there's one in there that I'm missing. But uh, those are the types of tournaments that we've been playing. And I've been very fortunate to be able to travel, you know, all around the world and see some pretty cool places. And LJ? So say I'm going to be started with 20 individuals, <laughs> literally 20 individuals live in an apartment complex, and now we're up to about 10,000 members. So it, it was a slow, gradual, organic growth, and now we've become kind of a force in the beach volleyball community. I love it. So LJ, you want to, you want to start off with some questions, or how, how do you want to run this? Because I think we're going to kind of uh, go back and forth a little bit. Okay. Well, I have several. <laughs> um, I wasn't aware that I was supposed to bring some questions. I <laughs> I, You're the interesting one. Actually, You're the interesting one. So I've, I've actually saved some of the things I wanted to ask you about based on conversation I've seen on Facebook. So I'm going to start with 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 the big one. There's a conversation about the greatest of all time. A lot of people new new to the game say it's Phil Dahlhauser. A lot of the old school say it's a uh, Karch Karaya. You played with and against Karch. Um, you obviously know who Phil is, so I want to get your thoughts on why you believe Karch is the greatest of all time. <laughs> you were on that. You were on that thread. I was I on that. Thread, I started yeah. throwing some bombs at you, <laughs> but uh, no, I, you know, it's. I think the thing that's uh, that's unique about that is you're going to be de- debate. We're going to be debating that for forever. You know, it, it's just two different eras, two different athletes. Um, you know, I think I did say on on that thread, you know, at least Karch won on both courts where Phil didn't. And I'm not saying that Phil can't. I'm I'm well aware that he is a very, very good player, very talented. Um, it's just a different game on the on the big court, period. I mean, um, I can't say I mean, I could say that Karch is the best because he's won the most. Um, he He's a guy that. You know, with all his gold medals, has brought a lot of players. Uh, he, he's just ri- he's raised their level of game, you know. And I think that that's a big part of somebody's being the best or whatever. And I'm I'm not saying Phil hasn't done that or can't do that because I've never played with him. I've only played against him once uh, in uh, 2005 in Santa Barbara, and they you know pretty much smoked us. Uh, but that was when I when I came back after five years of uh, hiatus. So uh, I. Six one half dozen the other, you know. If you if you go purely on open victories, it's Karch, you know, hands down. Now you say, well, he had so many tournaments to play, but I don't know if you I remember. Got, I, so you remember I, I said that. that. <laughs> I don't remember if you, but if but if Phil plays in, you know, this up until Karch does, and he plays in ten tournaments a year, which whether they're international or here, that's pretty easy. He's going to surpass playing Karch, so. He needs to win, if I'm mistaken, I, I think he needs to win 60 of those 70, which I don't know is going to happen. Wow. But, but, wow. but, that's, but that's, part, so that's part of it. So tell us maybe um, one of your favorite stories or favorite matches that you've had in your career. Oof. Well, I've, I've, had, I've had many, and I was talking to somebody else because uh, I've been flying around on Facebook lately. Uh, they've been doing some things on me and people giving me a hard time and, and whatnot. And you know, one that really sticks out in my mind, and it's it's probably not a good one to use for these other guys, but uh, we play in a, a Jose Cuervo uh, has a gold crown tournament, which is a major. 
Um, they have three of them. They had three of them during the year and the winners would take home a hundred grand and the second place team takes home, uh, 20,500, 20, which, you know, still a lot of money, but it's, it's, it's either the, you know, the Cadillac or the steak knives. And so, uh, I was playing with Jose Loyola at the time and we were, we had to play Karch and Kent in the semis to get to the finals. And it was just a long drawn out match. I think we beat them, uh, 13, 11 or, you know, something like that, 14, 12 on time. And so we were pretty much dead and we're in the, we're in the tent talking to each other saying, we've got no energy. We got to get out fast. We need to do something to get these guys off their game. Long story short, we go out and beat them 15, zero in the final of a major. And that's never been, that's never happened in a major. And, you know, (laughs) there's, so I, I, the only reason why I like that is because, you know, of the, the position that we were in, the guys we were playing against the course, and, you know, just the fact that, it, you know, fit, you know, we're the tired ones and we beat them 15 zero in the finals. Why do you think you smoked them? We had we had no choice. We had to get out quick. We got off to a quick start and they just never could get into a rhythm. I think they just were, you know, in that position. I mean, they played well. We just made no mistakes. And that's inside out. You can make, you know, we miss a serve, you know, or something like that or hit a ball out. It's side out, you know. And so we we just. Uh, we were in we were in the zone and we just kept going and and that was that was probably one of my most memorable victories. So let's talk about about Sam Wannabe's a little bit. Um, so where where do you see the future going and and if you don't want to go there, also you could just talk about some kind of cool things that are happening now or pre COVID even. Well, Sam Wannabe's obviously wants to continue to run high level volleyball events in Austin. Would like to expand to other areas. Um, like I said earlier, the future is just more cities, more groups. That to where you, Sam Wannabe's, is known nationwide. Right now, we're basically a Texas-based entity, and the goal would be to be known everywhere. And I think we're getting there slowly and surely by getting to know the pros, getting to know Adam, um, and running these big events, and obviously being a big presence in social media. What about your favorite tournament you guys have, have either hosted or even just be a part of? My favorite tournament is Sam Wannabe's Threes because it was the original. It's an invite-only tournament, which does hurt a lot of feelings in Austin. And uh, the <laughs> rankings are basically based on my opinion, which sometimes I get a little grief for. But it's a... Th- uh, it's zero a, politics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, zero Every politics. time. It, the worst player is supposed to get is me. But it's one girl, two guys. It is blown up. This will be the 10th year. And I feel like that, that was our... It's always special because that was our first. Have we run bigger ones than that? Yes. The, the Sharp Vision tournament that I helped run was, you know, had... Adam played in it, and there was AVP the champions man, in it. Tournament. The four-man tournament. There was AVP champions in it. There was NCAA champions in it. it that was a bigger tournament, but the say I want to be threes, blind draw threes will always have a special place. Tell us about the turtle challenge. So the turtle challenge is <laughs> the turtle <laughs> challenge is because I am a slightly slow player. So you get to endure a day of trying to get me as far in a tournament as possible. And some good friends have really taken to it. In fact, one, Tony Parkman, has probably taken it more times than it should ever be taken. She should be sainted for how many times she's had to play with me. And so the turtle challenge is I need a speedy partner with some offense to make up for my challenges. Love it. So something about your story that I didn't know, Adam, is um, about the going to play overseas. And then you said you were banned here. Can you give us that story, right? Well, yeah. uh, You know, I was, I mean, the story is 
uh, you know, I played on the national team in 88 and 89. Uh, I didn't make the team in, uh, in the Olympics, of course. Uh, so when they came back, I rejoined the team after they got back and then continued on in 89. Well, when it came down to finances, you know, I'm, you're not making a whole lot of money and I'm just trying to get by, you know, I'm 24 years old at the time or whatever, 25. And you just want to have your expenses paid for. I'm not living large by any means, although I did live across the street from Colhasset beach in San Diego. So it was kind of nice, but, um, I was having to pay about $200 a month to play on the team. And I went to him and said, listen, I know that there's some guys on the team that have gold medals, but I'm starting ahead of them. I need more money, period. And uh, I had somebody from uh, an agent from Italy contact me and said, hey, we have a, an opening. We'd love to have you over there. And it was at that time for a great sum of money <laughs> for a kid that's, you know, he's had a, a 10, 1040 easy form for, you know, his entire life. Um, and I, and I told the national team, I said, this is, this is my deal. Uh, and they, they couldn't help me out. And I said, okay, then I need to, I need to leave. And they, then, you know, throughout the threat, you'll never play on the national team again. And I just said, well, then I guess I won't ever play. And then, it, and then I go over there and, and play, uh, end up getting married to my wife, uh, over there, which was very, which, which was very cool. Uh, and had a great time. It's great culture over there. I'd love to get back and, you know, do something over there, whether it's visit or coach or, or whatever, but it, they just had some really fabulous people over there and really, really good food. Any regrets with that decision? Not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, it's, uh, I had a very successful beach career. Um, I doubt I would make the kind of money on the, on the tour or on the uh, team that I did when I was on the tour. Um, but you know, I, I didn't have an opportunity uh, at the time to, to go back to the Olympics. And then when beach volleyball came on, of course, um, the first year was pretty political and how, uh, the U S got to choose their teams. Um, and unfortunately Randy Stoklos, my partner at the time, uh, injured his ankle right before our first match. We had two, two opportunities to win, to go, to be one of the teams, and he, he twists his ankle pretty good. And that was that. And then in 2000, when I was playing with Karch Karai, all we had to do, and this is the, this is the scary thing. All we had to do was qualify into the main draw, which we did all the time. It wasn't a big deal. We were going to do it again. Uh, all we had to do is qualify in and in that match to qualify in he midway through and we were winning, whatever doesn't matter, but he, he dislocated his shoulder. So we were out. And the next team that had to, that had the most points was Dane Blanton and, and Eric Fanoi Moana. And they had to get fifth or better, which they've never done better than ninth. And so somehow there's stuff behind the scenes I don't want to get into. Somehow they got third. So, and then they went on to, to win the gold medal. So good for them. That's crazy that they went on to win the gold medal when they probably shouldn't have even qualified. Well, and the, the other thing about that that people don't know is that um, the FIVB two weeks before that, 2000 Olympics uh, decided to change the rankings, meaning Brazil was one and two. So they should have been on opposite sides of the, the draw. But the FIB, FIBB said, well, we, we're going to make the host country number one seed. So then now two and th now two and three are down on the bottom. So it's a Brazil. So they did that because they didn't want Brazil, Brazil in the final. And so that upper bracket, which is where Dane and, and Fenoy were, was a wide open. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, it was easy, but it was wide open and to play him to play the Brazil team in the final and beat him. I mean, it had to play well and they did. So they, I mean, they deserve it. I'm not taking it away from it, but there were some really interesting things that are behind the scenes. A lot of people don't even have a clue about. Yeah. It's very interesting. Tell us about the, 
the transition from indoor to beach and you know, it's a little different era too. So I don't know how much different beach was back then versus now. Like it's so much harder back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, bare court, right? But so you, yeah. you said you started playing ball about 13. So were you playing indoor and beach? No, no. I grew up in Laguna beach, California, and I never played beach volleyball really until I turned pro or when I was on the national team, I played in, in like in 89, I played in five events. There's, I think it was five events with, um, Troy Tanner, um, because we were on the national team together. And so, so how did you know that your game was going to translate to twos? I didn't. I just kind of figured, you know, that you had to be an all-around player, uh, and I was an all-around player. It wasn't easy, you know. I mean, I, I got dumped quite a bit right off the bat, and uh, but I knew that, you know, I had confidence in my game and that I was going to get there eventually. So it was just one of those kind of things. Which one do you like better? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, if I had to choose one to play for the rest of my life or, you know, for all my, I'd play beach because it's easier on your body. It's outdoors. It's, you know, there's a whole lot of the whole gamut, you know, but the indoor game is, is really, is, it's really an awesome game because you have a whole team that you need everything running smoothly. Uh, it's faster, uh, of course. And, you know, the ball's coming at you a lot faster as well. Um, so there's, there's, there's pluses and minuses for both of them. If we had to take yourself back, to, you know, you started playing at 13, but maybe like a few years after that, what advice would you give your 16, 17 year old self? Oof, I should have played. I should have probably started playing golf now. My <laughs> 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 um, 15, you know, I'd probably say get on the beach and play. You know, um, that's one thing that when I did have a full season on the beach, uh, and I, I finished third at U.S. Championships that year uh, with um, Steve Timmons. We then uh, we had this indoor um, uh, profession. It was kind of a semi. I mean, it was professional league, but uh, called. Um, uh, I'm spacing on the name of it, but it was played at the uh, um, the Forum be, because Jeannie Bus and. And Steve Timmons were were married at the time, and so they said, "Hey, let's let's it's team cup volleyball." Um, and you can look that up on YouTube and all that. But um, it was they what they did is they took all the top beach guys and all the top uh, um, indoor national team players, and they just threw them together. They made I think four four six teams, and then they just played. They just showed up and played. There was yeah. like Team Toyota, Team Toyota, yeah, Team watched, Paul I Mitchell. That. I mean, it, it was it was fun, but getting back to, you know, after a full season uh, or a whole year of not playing indoors, then coming back indoors after a full season of beach, I was like, man, this is an easy game now, you know, and I kind of wish I could have done this sooner, but you know, I was just a beach bum. Yeah. And so being a professional athlete, talk to us about the transition into now, no longer being a professional athlete. How'd that happen? Anything that any recommendations you have for other athletes out there or anywhere you want to take it, right? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not your typical, I mean, you hear a lot of these stories like, Oh my God, what am I going to do now? I'm an athlete. Uh, you know what, you know, so I, I was easy, you know, it was easy for me to transition into, you know, coaching, uh, club volleyball, junior club volleyball. So I, for me, it was just a continuation of uh, doing what I love to do. Um, and, and I'm still doing it. So it, it wasn't real hard for me to do. I think the, the one thing that I brought to the table was the, the efficiency, making sure everybody's there on time and doing all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I still to this day tell people that I've only been late 
to a tournament or a practice twice in 17 years, which is unheard. I mean, it's unheard of. Uh, I mean, and people kind of go, what's so big about that? I'm like, that's huge. Right. And the one of the reasons I was late to um, one of my tournaments was because my daughter at the time, uh, I actually brought her to my, where we, we both had tournaments in San Antonio and I brought her to where I was playing and then I figured out I was in the wrong spot, so I had to take her. So she was late, so she had to do a coach on one, and then I was late, so I had to do a coach on one, and she got to give me one too. So it, it was kind of one of those fun things. But uh, you know, those are the types of things, and just just you know the the preparation, you know, for the teams, and and you know, I teach them like they're professionals, you know, and, and whether they're gonna be or not, they're they're at least gonna be taught that way. So you say, obviously, showing up on time is very important. What other things, because I think I want people to understand that you are arguably in the top five, what number six American players of all time. I and mean, if you go on earnings, oh, you know, yeah. so I, I, I don't want to, I want, I want people to know that you, maybe you don't want to prop yourself up, but I'm going to prop you up right now. Okay? <laughs> you know, you are two injuries away from the Olympics. You have, you are a hall of famer. You know, you did play for the U S indoor team. So, I want you to talk about what are some of the things besides being punctual that people that, that made you made you the player you were. Like, what what do you think was the, the, the that separating? Because you know that from being an open player, Texas Open to to California Open to AVP champ, there's it's little gradients of differences. Yeah, you 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 hit it spot on. And you know, from what I can tell, and I'm I'm working with a lot of the the open players around here in in, in Texas as well, and. Um, you know, I'm by no means putting, you know, saying anything about anybody. Um, I'm just saying what I know or what I see. Um, you know, I was blessed with athleticism. Okay. Um, I had an offer to go play football in at uh, Berkeley my senior year too, to kick, um, to, to punt, um, probably could have walked on played soccer somewhere. Um, so for me, it was just about now I know what sport I'm playing and now I got to put all my focus on it. So I think that, that you have to have a drive, you know, I think you have to want to be better also, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that say I want to be better, but you know, if I'm working with them or I see them do something, I say, listen, I've been telling you this and you know, over and over and over and over and over and it's still not happening. You know, so, um, I, I think that the, the drive, the goals, the self-confidence, I think all that stuff is kind of wrapped into being that type of player. I mean, there's a lot of players that have that, that maybe don't have the skill and they have to work their tail off, but they get there. Um, and it's just, it's just a matter of like, you know, when I was playing, um, you know, I, when I first started playing, I was paying all my expenses to the tournaments and stuff like that. And I didn't worry about not making any money. Whereas when I got good and we hung out with some of these players that are trying to make it, they're like, I got, I got, I got to finish 13th just to eat tonight. And I'm thinking to them, that's the wrong thought process. You know, you should not even worry about that kind of stuff because that brings it, that, that thought brings it right into your game. and, And it just puts a lot of pressure on you. Just like all the kids nowadays in club volleyball, uh, their, their parents put so much pressure on them for scholarship. I didn't even know what a scholarship was my senior year in high school until I actually got one, you know, in the mail. Um, but now they're like at age 12, Oh, there's the, there's the, the UT coach. He's here watching me. Oh my gosh. At age 12, you know, I'm like, really? So really, so were you the Michael Jordan kill it, kill it in practice type or were you the 
I hear Johnny Hyden only does, if there's eight reps, he only does eight reps. You know, were you the overachiever in practice or were you the just do what you need to do and get out of there? No, I, I practice hard. Um, you know, to give you another example, um, when we had to do sprints, whenever you do, you do something wrong or you don't win the drill or whatever you have to do sprints. And so when I was at SC for four years, I never lost a sprint. Right. So that's kind of where, where my mind game is. Right. So it started starting to sound like if there was a spin the chair contest, you were all in, you were going to win everything. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and I'm very competitive too. I tell, I tell the story all the time to everybody. I said, you know, my wife and I get up at the same time. I'm getting the first cup of coffee. Even if she's standing right there and she's already poured her cream in it, I'm grabbing the, the, I'm like reaching around grabbing the coffee. I get in trouble for that. Yeah. Did you meet her in Italy? I did not meet her in Italy. We were, we were high school sweethearts, if you will. I I, I kind of was, we started going out after I kind of graduated that summer, but uh, we'll, we'll call it that. 31, 31 years coming up in uh, March. So that's great. So also to tie it back to the, to the, the, professional volleyball career what about some stuff that you wish you would have done that was not so much on the court like off the court things some things that maybe you might have recommendations for young athletes out there or even just what you wish you would have done well i think you know looking back and this is just from my my career um i wish i had gotten my um real estate license uh right off the bat because we you know my wife and i probably bought i think uh, we bought six houses in the time that we were married in california that would have saved us a lot of money. So uh, that's one thing that I think that you can do, especially nowadays. And, you know, again, when I grew up playing, we were making a lot more money than these guys are now. These guys, unfortunately, um, they're, they're, you know, it's hard to survive. So you have to have a, a job job, like a nine to five, or you, you got to be an entrepreneur. I think that um, something that's good for a lot of the guys or girls uh, is to start a beach club. You know, because you got your name out there, you're a professional playing on the tour and all that kind of stuff. You know, um, I have no idea, like um, Sarah Hughes, I have no idea why she doesn't have a program. You know, maybe she's just so focused and she makes enough money on her sponsors that she doesn't do that. But I suggested that a while ago. I said, you know, all you have to do is show up sometimes and have some other people run it for you kind of thing. But um I think the the kind of things that you're involved with volleyball, because it's all about marketing. It's all Mm -hmm. about the social media and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, our our social media when I played was NBC. Right. (laughs) And and why do you think that players aren't making as much? You know, we have the obvious thing is the TV contracts aren't as good, but it's something with the sport, right? Or who manages the sport or however you want to take it. Well, this is my take and it's easy. You know, it's everybody's, everybody's got their own opinion, but I think that when we, when the, when the AVP decided to send teams to the Olympics, we gave full power to the, 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 um, FIVB, meaning they now have the strongest tour in the world. They can call themselves the, the best, they have the best players on the world on their tour, which before we, we always did. Um, you know, even up until 2000, we had, we still had the best. Um, so I, I kind of look at, What's what's happened with the Olympics is there's only two or three teams now that are really making any money. And I don't I don't even know how much they're making, to be quite honest with you. I don't know that, you know, Phil Delhauser, even if he's the best player for the United States, I don't know if he's making the kind of money Karch was from his sponsors. You know, I I just don't know. Um, And do you think that if Phil Delhauser or whomever it was is the top players, 
do you think that Cars Cry was just more marketable or do you think just the sport has lost some some viewership? I don't think they've lost viewership. I think that they've they've lost a lot. Uh, they've lost a lot of momentum. Um, I mean, if you're a, the way I kind of look at it is if you're a sponsor, would you rather sponsor the PGA or the European PGA? Right. No, I'd, I'd want to be the PGA. So there now that's the FIVB is the PGA and the AVP is the European because it's so small. Um, you know, there's other things that, that have been going on, but, uh, um, and I think we're seeing something, a microcosm of this happening with the live streaming on the smaller events mm-hmm. and San Juan Abis, big, big piece of this where there's getting thousands and thousands of views for a low level tournament. Um, you know, way high level in my perspective, but <laughs> low level in the national scheme of things. Why don't you talk, LJ, maybe go talk to us a little bit about like what's, what you're seeing there or maybe the future, anything that you have there. So it's very regionalized. So when you do a live stream, mostly the niche sport as it is right now are watching it. But we do get views from California and Florida because everybody's starting to get to know each other because of social media. But getting back to what you said a little bit while ago about, I think one of the problems with the players that are, let's go 27 and under, they are only attacking social media where y'all were attacking national sponsors, you know, big name sponsors where there's this, there's this feeling that you get a thousand likes that you did something and I'm a social media guru and I realized that that didn't bring you any revenue. So there's a difference in the way the younger players are looking at marketing themselves and making money. And I don't think it's attracting Miller Lite. You know, and and Ray Ban and back at like that stuff back in the day where y'all made some big time decisions that changed your personal incomes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think then someone was it the Oakley you changed was someone went from Ray Ban to Oakley or something like that or it wasn't me. It wasn't you. Okay, no, I, was, yeah. I was always a Ray Ban guy. You were the Ray Ban guy. Okay, yeah, but but or Bausch and Lomb as they call it. Yeah, yeah but I mean Killer those are national names that everybody right. can recognize. You know, right now you have clean skin. Nothing wrong with that product. You know, but the, you have a lot of smaller Kona brewing. But that, that's, the, that, that's the problem, though, because you get the Nikes, the Coppertones. The, well, it was Spalding for me, but, you know, now Wilson. You know, those, those types of Kodak. You know, those are national brands that I had. I mean, I was probably the most sponsored athlete out there. Did you have an agent? I had an agent okay. for a little while. Did he, they, did he they bring my, you the he deals? Ki- he killed my buzz the first. Okay. <laughs> after my first, I signed the contract for him. It was a two-year deal and uh, for, for X amount of percentage. I win the, I, I just signed my Nike deal. I won my first tournament that day. I drive him home to LA. He says, hey, you need to come upstairs for a second. And he goes, I'm going to need more money. And I go, are you joking? You're joking, right? And I, and I just, I, I turned around and walked away. I said, I signed this contract. You, you, this is what it is for two years, you know, which was a buzzkill. And it was un, uh, inappropriate for him to do it. Yeah. But, um, it, it, but I think that, the, the again, the tour back in the day, we had 24 stops, you know. And so, so when we were able to go out and get those sponsors and say, hey, we're going to be at these 24 tournaments. We got NBC, we got this and that, you know, that's NBC. I was, a, I went from zero to hero in, yeah. in three, 30 tournaments, you know, and then, and then you get the guys like, you know, Hovland who's pissed off at me because, you know, he, he spent 10 years trying to get to where I got in three tournaments, you know, and that's, and that's just the way it is. I mean, I wish we had social media back in that, in the day, I think it's great for the guys, but I, like you said, I think that they can use it a little bit better and do different things. But again, 
it's 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 yeah, it's attracting the crowd and it's not it's not it's just not what it used to be so, so i want to give an example like so like sarah sponsor nca champion probably the future of abp and international might little height challenge so it might help hurt her in the long run how does how does she get those national sponsors like did you did the nike rep come to you did you go to the nike rep like someone that's up and coming like like you know how would she get that well before i had a before i had a um an agent i went out and got some sponsors on my own we had these you know um clothing company shows and all these kind of you know things that we you know just go and hand them your resume say hey i play i play beach volleyball i played on the national team you know you get of course that's what i had to do i I was on the national i played at sc you know all american this and that national team now i'm coming out on the beach i'm going to be something and this is what you're going to look for in the future and we're going to be on tv and do all this kind of stuff so you know they can do that kind of stuff um you know unfortunately they don't have the big nbc stuff right now they've got all it's all online which is interesting. I think it's great for the viewer. I have mm-hmm. a good time. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, great. I have a great time. I love watching. the Amazon watching yeah. it for ten no, hours straight. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and I think that that's great. But is that is that what the sponsors want? Is that what they're looking for? Is that, do they feel that they're getting their money's worth? Um, and it's it's just not the tour that it used to be. I mean, there's no there's no beauty contest anymore. I mean, and where do you see the future of the sport? <sighs> Uh, sadly, I've heard some rumors that they might not even have a tour this year. You know, I don't know if that's a rumor. I don't want to start something, but I heard that. And I, and I think that, you know, um, with, you know, like Sharp Vision doing some stuff with Foreman and, you know, doing smaller events, I can see more entities like Sharp Vision maybe doing their own events, you know, because I understand now the the um, the players on the tour don't have contracts. So they're able to go play else, elsewhere. Which, Let's talk about that real quick. Okay. That, that exclusivity contract. <laughs> that exclusivity contract. I didn't see it. So I went to an NVL and you had future stars there. Adrian Carambula was there. The, he's Mr. Skyball. Who? Adrian Carambula. Exactly. He plays Who? for Italy. He, he plays for Italy. They call him Mr. Skyball. He played in the Olympics. But anyway, he, um, they all had to forfeit their first round match because ABP said, if you play in this NVL tournament, you, we're gonna, you're not going to be able to play ABP. Right. What was there? Was there an exclusivity contract back in your day? Like, yes. what? How do you feel about that? I, if you're trying to, if you're trying to build the business, right? If I'm, if I'm going to buy the ABP and make it to what, and tell them, hey, you get nobody can go to the Olympics. I'm going to have purses up the gazooey, you know, because that's the only way it's going to make it again. It's know? all about leverage, it, it, and all, I just, and all, unfortunately, it, I don't see the leverage being an AVP at, at this moment. It, yeah, it, exactly, because they, you know, they, people want to go to the Olympics. You know, so you're going to have your top four, five, six teams going out, you know, trying to do that. But, um, you know, I think that you have to, if you, you have to have that exclusivity to try and build the brand. Um, but it's, but, but right now, I mean, they're not really building anything and they're losing, you know, they're losing ground. So I, as an owner would probably say, Hey, go, I'll let you play some other tournaments that aren't conflicting, you know, as long as you're playing on my tour. You know, and because I also where it is right now, and what I also see, and because I didn't start playing volleyball until I moved to Austin, Texas. You know, this is a sport like number four for me, right? But since and that was ten years ago, probably. So um, I've seen the sport grow quite a bit in you know just in popularity, a lot of people coming, and this might be just a microcosm of Austin, Texas. 
So I get bullish on the sport getting bigger and better, but it, you know, are we going to get it to that level to be where it's not a secondary sport? What's great about online is the secondary sport costs you less as like, you know, sharp visions picking this up a lot, which is a, a LASIK provider. If somebody's listening and they did my eyes. So, <laughs> uh, so highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. But I do see some opportunities for a lot of these second tier um, sponsors that hopefully can bring it to that next level, like the UFC was, right? You, you, know, you had Mickey's sponsoring mm-hmm. like the UFC in, until it got larger. And, you know, luckily they had a, you know, a very charismatic leader there with, with Dana White. But. Still do. So let's talk about that, what you just talked about, because I say that volleyball needs to adopt the UFC, um, USTA model, NASCAR model, where... Casey Pasha does the best job of marketing himself these days. I mean, he's logoed up and he pimps his sponsors daily. How do we get to that NASCAR UFC where people are just rooting for this player versus that player, you know, and, and what is your opinion on that? Like how, how, does a, how does a player get themselves there? Well, and again, this is... It, or how it, does the AVP help them get there? Well, I, it, it, you know, the AVP didn't help us a lot. Right. As players, um, you know, I had some issues with them. Um, power. Uh, this is a perfect, great story. Powerade was our, one of our tour sponsors and there were some lower tier players that got the sponsorship deals. And, I, you know, I kind of go, you know, and there's always this South Bay, Orange County thing and there's all the politics and all. So I, I was kind of like, I don't understand why those guys are getting the deals. So I'm going to go get Gatorade. Right. So I go get Gatorade and I'm sitting in the, you know, on the sideline on center court in the Powerade booth, you know, drinking my out of my Gatorade thing. And all of a sudden I'm the I'm the bad guy. I'm the worst guy in the world. Right. And, you know, even even at that time, Karch, we we had a big um, player meeting and everything. And Karch gets up. You're going to you're going to ruin this sponsorship for us. And I'm like, you know, even then I was like, oh, she's, you know, um, you know, and I was a little nervous. But Kent stood up and said he has every right to do that, which is true. You know, the only thing in the contract, I'm a contract follower. I'm a follower. dude. I sign something. I'll do whatever it says. The only thing we couldn't do was get a beverage sponsor like, you know, another beer sponsor. Anything else you can get. So I did nothing wrong. And I told, I even told those guys, I said, listen, you get Powerade to give me the same, same deal that I've got and I'll, I'll go away. And, and that's, and that's a, uh, we talked about leverage earlier, at least I did. And, uh, that's a perfect position to where you, you, you had a lot of leverage there. Mm-hmm. So I would like to know, did they let you keep drinking the Gatorade oh, or they did- had no choice? I did get, that was in the, that was the San Francisco tournament that I won with Randy Stoklos. And I got a check in the mail for zero dollars because they were they were holding my withholding my money, and I've still got the check, so it's it's kind of cool. But yeah, I eventually got the money. Um, Interesting. But, yeah, but I think to you know getting back to leverage, I think if if we were to have it to go back to where it was, a lot of stuff has to happen. Guys can't go to the Olympics. We got to stay here, and you just got to commit to it. And if you've got the if you got the big bucks, you know if the money's there, and you somehow get it all in there people are going to go where the money is. What about some stories with, with playing with Karch? Oh, or, or any story uh, uh, with him? Cause he's kind of the most famous volleyball player, right? Yeah, no, he's, he's a, he's a, you know, he was my favorite partner to play with, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, one, I didn't have to worry about him. Um, and, and he remembers everything, which is, which I don't like, 
because <laughs> because sometimes you know the way that I play, I, we can have a long rally, and w- however it ends, it ends, and I go, I can look over him and say, "What just happened?" You know, because I'm so I'm in I'm so engulfed in the moment and what I'm doing that I just forget, and so we're uh, we're at the uh, you know this one <laughs> we're we're playing in the. Uh, um, uh, world championships in, in, in France. And I think that was in 97 or eight and we're, we're up 13 to eight on this team. And we win, we go to the semis and and all this kind of stuff. We ended up losing. I started just gaffing. I gagged, I gagged, we lost 15, 13 and we get back to the hotel room and, you know, we don't talk, we take showers, whatever. I, I start reading a book and he's sitting at the end of his bed. You know, we're both in our beds and he's sitting at the end of the bed with his, just sitting there for like 45 minutes, not saying a word, you know, with his, his hands under there. And then he just goes, God, yeah, he said some things and kind of stood up and I go, okay, I'm sorry. It was my fault. And he's like, no, I should have done this or this, or, you know, he should, he blames himself. You know, he's like, well, what could I have done? So, you know, I mean, those are, that just shows you how competitive he is and what he feels he, he could, could have done or didn't do or, or whatever. And he's always trying to, you know, be better if you will. Well, I was just going to say, what was one of the biggest matches that you ever won in your career to something that sticks out? Uh, I would probably say my first uh, U.S. championships with Ricky Ludes. We were down, uh, you know, that's when the time clock first came in and we were down against Randy and Sinjin and we came back and won, you know, you know, when time ran out and, you know, here, you know, both of us were you know, relatively new to the winter circle. And, uh, it was just, you know, the U S championships, it was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, that was probably, you know, one of the bigger, bigger events. And then, you know, now, um, Kent, Kent Steffes is doing some stuff on, on old school and he's talking about the, uh, world championships down in Brazil. And that was pretty big time too. Um, for a lot of different reasons because there were so many people that were so against us, you know, and <laughs> I mean, my name down there was Shusha, which is a, she's a, um, a TV talent down there, bleach blonde hair and all, the whole crowd. I mean, I'm talking, I don't know how many people are in that stands, but there's, there's a lot. They're all Shusha, Shusha. I mean, everybody. And, you know, and we, we ended up winning and it was hot and all the above, but it was, it was just a great place to play. But I, I'd say those are probably two of my, my, my biggest memories. Ken, for those out there, Ken Steph is writing a lot of stories about how to be a winner. And if you go online and look up his stuff on Facebook, it's, it's pretty, pretty good writing. Um, I want to ask you, you talked about those NBC matches. Mm-hmm. Which match propelled you? Which match put you on the national, on the national map? Well, I'd have to say it was either the U.S. championships or the weekend before in Milwaukee, which was the first live telecast. Uh, for, so not for, Manhattan Beach, not the Grand Alley of the Mall. No, I don't think so. Uh, I didn't win Manhattan in, in, well, I mean, I got to the finals in 93, which is all over the place right now. But uh, um, And then we won in 94, 95. But uh, I'd definitely say Hermosa started it because even even after Milwaukee, you know, I might be flying home. They go, oh, you're the guy with the hair, you know. I was going to ask about the hair too because you have the pink hat with Karch. You know, it was, did you go for that look or were you just a Cali kid? I mean, were you trying to create an image? No. Well, I, 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 you know, honestly, um, I was not trying to create an image. Uh, when I was playing on the national team, we got our haircut for free by this guy named Edward, you know, like Edward Scissorhand. And this guy was like a, he was like a big time, 
salon guy. I mean, he'd travel the country, the world and, and show people how to cut hair. And so he just did it for free. He was a great guy. He, he cut my, I just said, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. And so he did this. And I, I actually, you know, he, he was down in San Diego and when I, you know, uh, moved back up to Laguna to play on the tour and stuff, I mean, I probably went down there for another five years to get my hair cut okay. and then he moved and that, <laughs> that killed, that was my buzz kill. But yeah, so I, I have to give it to Edward. I think because this is a, an entrepreneurial podcast, I want to ask you about a big, big one. And that's the uh, getting over disappointment. Like you talked about your two Olympics that you should have made the Olympics. It wasn't for injury. I want to ask you about how did you get over that? You know, to go grind again and win more matches. I mean, how long did it take you to get over? Are you, are you even still over it? Cause I've heard you on a different podcast. You still get a little fired up about that. And I have a secondary question when you're done with that. Well, I, you know, I don't want to say it started even before that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like when I was in, at, uh, in Laguna beach high school, we, we won CIF three years in a row when I was there June, my sophomore, junior, senior year. Then I went to SC, um, we, we were in a rebuilding year, our, my fir- my freshman year. So we went from eighth to third. Um, and then the next three years we lost in the finals, you know, three years in a row. So I was used to, I don't want to say losing, but you know, those are the kind of things that's kind of where it started. But, um, I think that for me, it just gives me a little chip, you know, uh, on my shoulder to where I can, you know, I didn't, I, I missed out and there's nothing I can do. You know, Randy gets injured, Karch gets injured. There's nothing I can, it's nothing I can do. And, you know, I can just, I can just, uh, you know, channel that energy into training harder and, and trying to, trying to make up somehow, uh, you know, and the only way to make up is winning, you know, you know, in that, in that situation or having more fun and, you know, getting more sponsors and that kind of thing. I, I, I'm similar in that mentality. What I always kind of say is, is, you know, creating action, doing things. That's how you're going to get over something, right? That's how you're going to move past something and, and as opposed to just sitting and dwelling and then just be, hey, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that not just for the large stuff. Like when you're just even just upset about something, like go do something about it. Even if it's something small, it'll make you get out of your own head, right? Because I, I think sometimes it becomes, was it the puncher's mentality or the loser's mentality where they get, they just the scoring part is beat and beat, and you can become where you're just okay with losing. And I feel like the greats are, even though they might lose a lot, you know, they they get over that. There's that whole Michael Jordan, you know, how many missed winning game shots, but he still took the next one. Right. And I feel like you sounds like you have some of that in you. you know, take a take a beating, but I'll get you next time. Well, you know, and I guess I have the, you know, the, the fortunate, uh, you know, opportunity to say I've done other things too that a lot of people haven't. And, you know, you know, oh, you lost three times in the finals in college. Yeah. Did you even get there? You know, I mean, it, 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 it was, it didn't, it would, it sucked. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but, um, you know, there's always, there's always next year. There's always something, you know, that's even greater than that. You know, the next, the next thing. I want to talk about notoriety. So I have this theory, I even ran it by Darren, that you're kind of the fifth Beatle. The fifth? Oh, yeah, because okay, there's, there's Kariah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sinjin, you know, I guess Stephus, and uh, I, I can't remember the, who I was going to say the fourth one is. Do you, do you view yourself sometimes as, as you're just off that Mount Rushmore, like you're from the, from, the, from the 90s group of winners? Like you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And I, and you know, I, like I asked Karch to, uh, play after, um, 
after we, I say almost beat them in, uh, in to get to the finals, uh, of the U S championships in 90, um, we were up 12 to eight and we ended up losing, uh, 15, 13, but I believed at the time I was better than Brent Frohoff, who he was playing with. And so I called him, I called Karch. I said, Hey, loved, I, I think I'm, I can do better than him, you know? And, and he just said, well, I got to stick with, you know, Brent, you know, we've gone through a lot and I said, oh, that's fine. You know? So had we hooked up at that time, would I have a lot more W's? Absolutely. You know, there's no doubt about it, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I was kind of the odd man out because, you know, you had Sinjin and Randy, you had Karch and, Karch and Kent, you had Hob and Dodd, you know, and then everybody else. And, you know, I'm a firm believer of, of keeping with a partner. I'm not one that's going to go from one to another to another to another. Uh, I mean, a perfect example was when I first came back, I was training with Ed Ratledge, right? So um, for two months, and then we play in our first tournament. And this is my first tournament back. How old was he then? He had to have been young because this yeah. was in 2005. Um, and and so, you know, this is my first competitive tournament in five years and I was terrible, not going to lie. And we lost and he dumped me and I was like, man, this is how it is today. Right. You don't have any, you you have no vision whatsoever. And so when he, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, I, we were, we were both up in the, uh, Amazon booth together and I was, I, I walk in the door, he's right there. I'm standing there. I'm like, no. Cool. And he, he turns to me and he just says, Adam, I just got, I just got to tell you, he says, I did, I, I made the dumbest mistake of my life, you know? And I just go, dude, that was a hundred years ago. Let it go. I mean, I'm, you know, I didn't, it, it, I'm not, it, it's not phasing me of course, but you know, and he's one, you know, I think that I, I believe we could have won tournaments when we played, but he couldn't wait. So, and now that you're coaching and do a lot of other stuff, what, what kind of recommendations do you give young players to pick, or any players for that matter to pick their partner, right? To, who to, who to, how to pair up with somebody. You know, it's interesting because the majority of them, you know, I'm working with more, I mean, I am working with like the open player uh, guys and stuff like that and girls, but they already have their partners kind of picked out and what and whatnot for the juniors. You know, I, I just kind of say, Hey, just go and, you know, have some fun and, and, and see what, see what your partner can bring and what you can do for your partner. Um, but it, but it's, uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's a different world out there. These, these kids are being taught not the right, I don't say it the right way. I don't know if there is a right way, but in a way that I wasn't brought up, uh, learning the game and well, to give you an example, I'm not, you know, I, you, you see a ball being put over the net on one or two, like, I don't know. I can't even count on, on, on my, on two hands during a match. Right. Whereas I probably saw 10, over on one shots or over on two shots in 10 years that I played, you just didn't do it. And when you did do it, it was usually picked up. Like, um, I started working with, uh, these, these five girls last, uh, January who were all going division one. And I see this in their game. They always try and hit it over on one catch the other team off guard, which they will because the other team's not taught well. And so I told this one girl, I said, never try that against me because this, you know, and I get to play with these girls and I go, don't try it. It's not going to, it's not going to go down. And so the first time she did it, I saw it. I was standing right there, got in position, picked it up and just hammered it right at her. I didn't hit her or anything, but, <laughs> but I hammered her. I said, I told you, I, I said, you can try. It's just not going to go down because we're, we were taught to watch the player and not the ball. Whereas nowadays everybody watches the ball and then by the time that the person hits it over, it's too late. So there's a lot of little nuances, um, 
all one, over. One thing that I do want to uh, ask you about is the game has changed. Actually, just like the rules of the game has changed over this course of your career and even now. Maybe tell us about, and we were talking about this briefly before we got started about, you know, some stories of old, some old courts where the court was bigger, right? And maybe what was the difference between that court and then the smaller court? And then you had a story earlier about no antennas that was kind of fun. Maybe share that. Well, when I first started playing on the tour, um, there, we, we played on it, played on a big court 30 by 30, which is like an indoor court. Uh, and there were no antennas. So, um, I was able to almost hit a jump serve down the line, almost around the pole and into the back corner, you know, when it was really windy or something like that. So, uh, those, those were kind of fun and that, that was tough. Cause that makes that, that, that makes that court huge. And so when the antennas came in, uh, it was definitely a different game, but you know, the one thing that I noticed the big, the biggest difference I noticed, uh, from the big, from the big court, the small court, um, is that my defense personally, like if I was, if I was uh, playing defense on the, on the big court and I was touching 50% of the balls, when I came back in 2005 and maybe didn't have as big a blocker, I'm touching now 85% of the balls. So it's a huge difference, it's a huge different that, difference that a lot of these guys don't think about or don't realize. Do you think that it lent itself to taller players? Oh, the for sure. Court? Oh, no, no doubt about it. Um, but there are some, I mean, Taylor Crabb, what is he, 6'1 six, six, or 2? Yeah. You know, and, and so there, you're always going to find those guys, yeah. you know, I mean... Uh, I mean, I, I believe I could have, if I had continued to play, I could have done well, you know, I don't know if I could have done as well if I didn't, if I had a, you know, big, uh, you know, if I had a six, nine, if I had Delhauser, I'd, I'd do all right. Um, but you know, that, those are the big difference. And also just the fact that we were playing side out scoring, you know, that was the, the thing that I didn't like was, uh, when we brought in the clock, which made the game about 45 to 50 minutes long. So that was, you know, no matter what. Um, but I played in some games whew, that were 21, you know, 19 and then back to back 25, 23. And those things are like an hour and a half, two hours. And those are brutal. So, yeah, no, it's so th- those are the two big differences, though. I want to talk a little bit about local Austin and Texas volleyball. <clears throat> Excuse me. We do not have the tall players because they play basketball and football in Texas, you know. If we can ever get the six, seven tight ends and power forwards to come play sand volleyball, it would change the whole Texas volleyball scene. Besides getting those athletes to come over and play volleyball with us, no high school volleyball here. What do you think we need to do in Texas to catch up to California? I think you just Florida? answered it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> high school volleyball. If we can't, yeah, well, okay, yeah, at high school volleyball. That's, that's a bit. I mean, that is a big. Yeah. That is a big thing. I know that some of the private schools up in Dallas have had uh, indoor volleyball for quite some time. I, I remember doing some. Uh, uh, clinics up there in 1991 and 92 so they, it's been up there for a while but there's you know it, it's it's slim to nothing here um do you think the size is the main issue because I mean, we're not a beach we are a beach state but we don't have a huge sand volleyball scene on our coast right i, I mean yeah Delhauser's is pretty big and so is so is jay gibb i mean and then you get into everybody else right, right after that so i think i you know where where texas volleyball and it goes for you could say florida too or you could say any state you know uh, you're always going to need a big guy the game has turned into a big guy and a small guy or two big guys you know i'm sure it can do you know i don't know how given delhauser would do it together but be interesting to yeah see. <laughs> i mean you know because well and because everybody thinks oh well those guys can't play defense right but if they can and they're taller 
if they can play defense like like I can, they they just have longer arms. They have more. They're, they're going to mm-hmm. cover more court. You know, people are like, oh yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I had a I had this one girl on my junior team when she was sixteen. She had a shoulder problem, and I said, just go play with libero. And she was six one, and everybody's like, why do you have such a big girl in the back playing libero? I'm like, well, she can pass and play defense, and she covers, she's going to cover more court than the little girl. And they're like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, we see that a lot with basketball nowadays, you know, the, the point guard doesn't need to be five, five. Right. Right. Um, so, so what about for you? What's your next five years, 10 years? What, what are you, what are you up to? I don't know. I, I'd like to, you know, there's some, I'd like to find a place where I can call home, uh, and you know, um, put my, put my, uh, outdoor beach program at for sure. Um, because I, I, this last year, uh, because of COVID was the first time that I actually did year round beach volleyball. Um, and I hadn't done it before because I could, because of my indoor, uh, program that took up a lot of my time and, and it seems to be making a little bit of a transition now. So, uh, you know, I'd like to hook up with somebody and open a facility or whatever and, you know, run tournaments and a program out of that. Um, um, but there's always coaching too. You never know if there's going to be a, a, an open spot somewhere who knows. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm right now. What about you, LJ? Next five years, what's your five year outlook? Well, considering I'm the old dad with a seven month old, um, <laughs> learn how to be a parent. That's the first one. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just let them fall down a few times. Uh, I would like to say along the similar lines, I'd like to run a venue. I believe that when it comes to running events, it's kind of where my talent lies and what I should have been doing probably my most of my career. And like I said earlier, continue to grow San Juan Abyss. Add cities, get more people involved, more events, maybe maybe some branding uh, and, and see where it goes. What about any mentors around the way or anybody that kind of helped through your path of your career or even before then? Well, uh, you know, I, I credit my high school coach a, a ton, even though he gives me grief on the, on Facebook, but, um, he, he, he gave me, uh, there's a, a highlight reel right now from Manhattan, Manhattan 93 Manhattan open. And he put on, you know, there's a picture of, or no, it's from, um, I'm sorry. It's from 98, uh, um, with Karch and I'm, the picture on Facebook is me and him hugging. And of course he says, does your wife know about this? You know, I'm kind of like, whatever, but, but he, he really kind of molded me into the player that I, that I am. Um, you know, he got us, you know, thinking that, you know, he doesn't want, you don't talk smack under the net. I never did, never have, never will. I mean, now I do just because I can, because I'm having fun. I watched your matches. You might not have talked smack, but you had a scowl a definite scowl that the other players saw. Well, <laughs> you thought. know, yeah. And, 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 and you, know, you can look at them. I mean, but I've had people yell, I mean, literally like yell right at me, like, where can I, you know, stuff that I've never heard before. And I'm kind of like, okay. And then I just turn around and play and, and beat them and then shake their hands and look them in the eye and say, great match. That, that to me is, is, you know, the thing. I mean, I, I work with uh, Rafa who talks smack all the time. And so I, I can talk smack. I, I told him, I said, I wish you were playing back when I was playing or, you know, or I was playing, you know, at my peak right now. Cause you would have no chance. You know, you're never going to get in my head, you know, kind of thing. But you know, yeah, I, I can have fun with it now, even though everybody wants to beat up on me still. <laughs> <laughs> what about, you know, you played in Europe and stuff. So what about once your favorite place, maybe hidden gem just to travel to, or that you loved when you were there or. 
Well, I mean, Italy was, was awesome. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we, we, uh, we lived, I lived in Bologna for four months and, uh, people, like I said, were really nice. I did get to see the country when, um, Karch and I were playing, uh, we were in Europe for three weeks and we made, uh, um, Ravenna our home base, which is where he played. So he was King Karch over there. I mean, it was crazy. They're like, they just got down on their knees. Karch, Karch. I mean, we did some really fun things and it was, it was just great. But, uh, um, Australia is awesome. Um, you know, after I played in, in the uh, four man tournament, I got a couple of people, Hey, you want to come play in a tournament? You know, I'm like, okay, I play in one tournament now. (laughs) He's asking me, but which was, yeah, which was fun. And I said, sure, I'll come down. They go, well, you're going to have to be down here, you know, two, two weeks in a, in a hotel room. You know, because because oh, this so this is very recent. This is recent, saying, yeah. yeah. This is just after it, and uh, and I said, I go, oh yeah, I'll come down. I can hang out on the beach for two weeks, right? And just you know, no, you're in your room. So, um, but I, I had a blast when I played down there with Kent. We won a few tournaments and traveled all around uh, Australia. So uh, that that's a that's a pretty awesome place. When you were uh, kind of at the peak or any time during your career, what, was there any like workout routines that you had or daily routines that were interesting that was kind of a little different or? No, I mean, you know, I, I would, um, the one thing I did do when I first started out, um, before I had, uh, Spalding as a sponsor, I had one ball. And so, uh, when there was nobody around, I would just go to the beach and hit jump serves and I'd probably hit, I don't know, a hundred. So I'd hit one ball and I have to go chase it <laughs> and then go get up to there, hit the other one, go chase it, you know, but I, maybe that's why I had the jump serve that I did. But then once I got Spalding as a sponsor, I'm like, I need, I need 24 balls. <laughs> I said, you know, you can be more efficient and, and, and I'm not saying this to say this, but I was the guy you see, and now when you see people at the beach, they've got a bag of balls. And I was the guy before, before me, no, everybody bring like one ball each or something like that. And I, you know, I'm the guy that started with all the balls and, uh, you always get invited back if you have the bag of balls. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's easy. Oh, we don't have to chase them right now, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, other than that, um, I mean, I got into, I got into lifting and I really liked my Olympic lifts. Not that that's anything, you know, spectacular or anything. I mean, people do them, but, uh, that those were, those are always fun for me. I really enjoyed those. And those are, I, I would suggest doing if you, you know, uh, as my weight coach told me, if you can only do one or two, you know, these are the one or two that you want to do, you know, which is the, the cleans and the snatches. So, and the deadlifts, you know, if you could do those, boom. And we talked, you talked earlier about, um, real estate being kind of a save, would it save you some money? And you, I think I could be incorrect, but you probably had like over a million dollars in purse, right? Uh, in your career. 1.6 something. Yeah. yeah. So any, and a lot of athletes come in, they get a lot of money, any money, uh, recommendations, tips and tricks that you had or wish you would have done. Well, I, I, I got lucky a couple of times, but I, but I had a, a money guy right off the bat, you know, so X amount of money went into savings and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, uh, college funds and all that. Um, but I did get lucky with this one girl who, uh, came up to me in, in, uh, Santa Cruz. I probably shouldn't say this, but I should say it was somewhere else. Anyway, she goes, Hey, do you know Steve blue who I played with in high school? And, and, uh, is he here? And I said, no, he's not. And he's, are you into stocks? I said, yeah, a little bit. She goes, you might want to buy Cisco. You know, this was like in 92 or something like that. So, so I talked to my guy, I said, okay, let's put, let's put 7,500 in. Right. 
And of course I didn't touch that for years. And that thing made me six figures, you know, over, over time. Mm-hmm. So that, that was mm-hmm. a fun thing, but I, I, you know, I mean, I'm not hardcore because I had someone else do it. Um, but I would, I'd definitely make sure that if you're making that kind of money, put it away and do something with it. And even, you know, real estate is, is always, it's always going to be there, you know, and if you can, you know, cause like, uh, on, on, on my first, uh, we were going to go in, um, on a house with a guy named Larry Muir who played on the tour and he's a real estate guy down in, in San Clemente. And we were going to go have these on this house and we were going to, you know, pay the rent or whatever. And then I won the U S championships and said, I don't need you anymore, Larry. Sorry. You know, no offense. And he goes, that's fine. So, so, you know, I got lucky from that standpoint, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, real estate, if you can do it, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of how you're saying basically have a system for the, the, the foundation of, of your finances, because if you don't start that now, you'll never start it. Right. So right. the best time is now, you know, no matter what, uh, I think you might've had something. No, no, I'm just, so, uh, when it comes to investment advice, I need to do listening. <laughs> I need to do a lot of listening. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I, I like reinvesting in yourself too, though. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of getting back to what I said earlier, um, you know, you re, you know, a lot of people out here don't like to spend money to get training, right? They, they just don't want to do it. And because they're not at that same level, which I understand. Um, but if you're, if you're wanting to get to that level, you have to reinvest in your future to get to that level is what I, what I believe. So I same mean, thing you would do for a business. Like if you're exactly. never going to grow, you have, if you and, don't and, feed and, it and it's, and it's a little, it's. I don't want to say it's scary because it's the same thing. You know, if you're starting your own business, it's scary. You know, if you're playing on the, you want to play on the tour and you got to shell out some money, it's scary, you know, cause you don't know. But the money is, is I've always think it's a fuel. So if you want to, and, and, you know, make the fire bigger, right. You're going to have to feed it a little well, bit. Well, And that's where you find the difference. I think uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people have talent, right? Like I'll give you a perfect example is Karch and I, uh, we both got dumped by our partners. Kent dumped him when he got injured and, and he, and then Kent stole uh, Jose away from me, but, and then I got injured. And then when we came back towards the end of the year, we were beating those guys. And, but those guys are physically and everything physically better than us mentally, maybe not because we beat them. You know, so I think that there's, there's definitely, you know, when you get the guy that's like, okay, I'm going to buy a $500 plane ticket to get there and I need to, I need to make some money. You know, that's not going to help if you just go there saying, Hey, I pay, I paid 500 bucks. I'm, I'm going to play. If I win some money, great. If I don't, I'm coming back and training harder. Did, did y'all have coaches in the nineties? No. And we, someone, you know, uh, someone mentioned that, um, because there, there was someone that was that, uh, was saying, you know, I'm not that, you know, I don't know if working with a coach is going to help or whatever. And, and I had a coach, Jim Mingus, who's, you know, he was a, one of the players that won a ton of, he won more opens than I did on the tour at the time, but I honestly didn't learn anything from him. You know, I was kind of, he was kind of thrown at us because he was going in, you know, he had a, he was in a little bit of a financial situation and, you know, this thought it would reboot his, his career. Um, but he didn't teach me anything. He was more of an arm, you know, but, um, you know, like with a lot of the guys around here that I'm working with, you know, I believe I've got insight in the way that I can tell them how to do, you know, what to do and what situations and how to go about it and all the training methods. That's a lot different. You know, he just was there. He, he didn't, you know, he was just kind of, I'm hitting balls at you. I'm not 
you know, telling, he didn't tell me anything about the strategy or anything. Which, Just putting reps in. Yeah. yeah. So Darren asked you earlier about <clears throat> fitness routines. What about your mantra when it comes to coaching? Is it reps or is it situational training? Like what, what do you, how do you weigh those? It's, it's funny because, um, I, I'm, I, I like to talk a lot. Um, and when I do lessons, let's just say, I like to make sure these kids or adults, whoever I'm working with, understand what we're trying to accomplish. So they might not get as many reps, whereas the, the parents today feel, oh, I, they need rep, 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 rep. But if they're, sorry, but if they're, <laughs> but if they're not doing it correctly, it doesn't matter. So uh, I, I'm, I, I'm a big situational coach um you know we a lot of playing um sure we'll do some reps on you know blocking reps or whatever kind of reps but it's not not to the extent where you're just doing so many of these is getting boring and you know let's not do this anymore and you're not getting anything out of it so if a young team that's on abb tour came to you and said will you travel with us for you know the the main events is that something you thought about doing? I know you, yeah, have, your, I know no. you have your volleyball academy. No, absolutely. But, absolutely. But I know Loyola is, you know. He well, he's in California yeah. and he's able to do that with all those guys, which is great. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm working with some guys out here that are, you know, trying to get on the tour, but only when it comes around here, you know, to, to play in the qualifiers and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, if someone out in California said, Hey, will you come out and train me? I'd, I'd probably say yes. You know, I don't have a problem with it as long as I can get it in. Talking to you, Troy Field and Eric Baranek, y'all could use them. Um. <laughs> so, so take us back. I think the volleyball community would love some, some questions like this. And I know I've already, I've already asked about a couple old stories, but take us back to some of those big tournaments, you know, maybe the feeling of how it was. Um, I don't know, any side stories, maybe not of the actual games, but, you know, anything that was kind of interesting that the volleyball world would love to hear. Well, we should be back. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I think. I think a lot of it should be, be, be brought back. Um, perfect example is before I, you know, even started playing volleyball, we had a, the Laguna open and it was a huge stop on the tour. It was a big time deal, small beach. But the, the fun thing about it was, uh, even when I was like 10 or 11 or 12, we'd go down to the beach at like four in the morning and set up our chairs you know, around and get our, you know, get our steak. There's people who bring couches down there. They, they'd bury kegs, you know, and it, so it was just a, it was just a big party. And that's, and that's the difference between when, even back then in the, you know, the seventies and eighties and into the nineties. And now after the two thousands is almost, I want to say it's gotten sterile, but it kind of has because at the end of the day, you can say what you want. It, it was a big party. We played a big party and we were we were the talent that people watched when they were buzzed and they were watching other people doing whatever. Well, you know, simple as that. We had, we had the, the bikini contest and everything like that. Um, is that not professional? Some people would look at that and say it's not professional, but it worked. And like I said, we were the best in the world, you know. So if we can redo that again i think we can have something but i think that's going to be that's going to be hard that sounds like a good he time just, to me <laughs> he just said something well boxing has ring girls and stuff so every sport does it football has cheerleaders you said best in the world and what was that feeling like when you won you know the world championship and you were the best in the world like did you have a epiphany did you have like oh wow i am like 
the top 1% of 1% of 1% of what I'm doing at this time. Not me personally. Yeah. I just was like, it was, a, you know, okay, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're the best in the world, but you know, I, I always looked at, I looked at our sport as, you know, below any other sport, you know, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, you know, nobody cared about, you know, I mean, I won't say nobody cared about us, but we didn't have, we weren't the, we weren't at that level. So to me, it was like, you know, I'm just, I mean, I could walk down the street and have a, yeah. and no one notice who I am. I think because which I'm is, a, which one, is great. I'm a one, I was, I'm below average to average in every sport. I'm a wannabe athlete, which is why we need to say I'm wannabes. Um, I think that that is a feeling that I've always like aspired to know what that's like. And it kind of amazes me that you were just in the moment. Like it, it wasn't this aha, I, I climbed Mount Everest, you know, it, it was just, I'm just doing what I'm doing. And I don't know if that sounds arrogant. No, no. That's but it's, you, just, it's, just kinda, it's just kind of how it was. You know, I won my first U.S. championship and I go, we're the best in the U.S. right now. But it's not, you know, and, and I go, And that's the key right now. Right yeah, now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we won that tournament, you know, and, and, and perfect example when I, when, when Ricky and I uh, played the next year, you know, we didn't have the same fire that we did. And so I made a change, you know, and, and you know, for whatever reason. Right. Um, so you just, you, you know, it's, it's, it's up and down and you know, they, you, you know, what are you doing for me now? What are you doing for me lately? You know? Yeah. We're going to have the last couple questions. LJ, do you have anything that you want to ask before I kind of, I want to, I want to ask a question and know yeah, please. Where, where, where are all what you said, you, you know, the, the, the wannabes are across the country. Where, where are some of the other big sections? So it's really outside only- of, Texas. Or is there? There's not. It's oh, okay. San Antonio, Texas. Austin, Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Corpus. But then you have the wannabes, which the wannabes are, were around before us, and they're not trying to be what I'm trying to be with the VFW or the Elks Lodge, you know, across the country. They are fun. They want to have a party. Uh, okay. They, so they, they they're the ones that dress up. All right. You know, they they dressed up like Wimbledon characters. Right. Uh, and and I like those guys. I'm friends with those guys. Different mantras. They want to party and have fun at events. I want to help. Okay. I want to grow the sport. See, I just learned something right yeah, now. There you go. And I've had to explain that to a lot because people will tag the wannabes. They'll tag the sandwich bees. They're like, well, the wannabes are more of the Gulf Coast volleyball party group. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to be something more established. Yes, we want to have fun. We throw the AVP after party when it comes to Austin, which hopefully it comes back to Austin. But I want to grow it into branches, like, you know, not, not just be this party group although they they are fun yeah <laughs> and they and they get on amazon they look, they look fun yeah <laughs> oh, they're, they're a blast i'll say when you're playing because you play a lot and we talked about turtle challenge but like what's one of the f- favorite things that you do like whether it's a serve or a spike or a, you know well, a I, dig like what, so what, what really makes you happy for me it's it's all about highlight plays because i'm obviously not going to win a lot um obviously i do chalk trash so <laughs> saying what you're going to do and then doing it like i'm going to serve you short again or, you know, calling out Cuddy and hopefully you don't put that Cuddy in the net, you know, and, and I love that. I come, I come, my dad was from New York, New Jersey. So I have a trash talkers background and I enjoy when it actually comes together. <laughs> when the trash talking and the point, I have a friend, Chris Little, we, we all, you know him too, who says that the, the, the third man is worth three to five points if it's going right. The third man is my mouth. So I do enjoy like Rafa Casada, who's kind of like a local legend here one of the best players that ever come out of austin talks trash and it works against a lot of players mm-hmm. and it, and so and then sometimes and then some it doesn't some you fire up and you're like oh 
But yeah, I would say when when the trash talking and the play works, I enjoy that the most. And I would say, I, I you know, just to kind of get on that, but when I, I play my indoor kids six on one and I've never lost, you know, up to 18s. And uh, I, I, I did finally lose uh, when when I was up 22 to 10 in a game to 25. Someone hit a ball over my head. I turned and my hamstring went and they kind of said, oh, can you not finish? I said, no, I, I'm done. They go, oh, so you so you forfeit. And I go, well, can we play this some other time? No. <laughs> yeah, so, they, so they finally because they'd never beat me. They've been there since they were 12 and they never beat me. But, uh, you know, girls are a lot different because, you know, one on six is tough. And especially at my age and all I need to do is say a few little words to them and they just go whew, right down the drain. Guys are a little bit different, but you're going to find some guys that don't like it either. Well, this is such a unique sport. Like, yes, compared to all my volleyball player friends, I am not on their level, but I played my college friends one night that challenged me. I played them one on five and I beat them 15, zero and 15, four. And they, we still talk about that because it is a sport where you have to get touches to be any good. I mean, I would compare it to tennis. Two of the hardest sports to play if you don't practice and you don't are tennis and volleyball, especially twos. Yeah, you can go play pickleball. Yeah, pickleball. You can go play family reunion ball. Or <laughs> and but no, if you want to play legitimate volleyball, you have to put time in. And a lot of people come to play tournaments here, and that's the advice I give them. They're like, well, you know, this was not the level I thought it was going to be. Well, you. You have to put in some blood, sweat, tears, and embarrassing losses to even be able to play this sport. And I think that's one of the things that makes it special. You can go play basketball, and you can rebound at least. You can throw up some shots that might not be good. Volleyball, if you don't, if you haven't played, you are not going to have fun. Yeah, I've seen a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of athletic people look silly. Yeah. What do, what do you think the future of volleyball for Austin looks like? Future is in Austin is ridiculous right now. There are venues going up. There are new venues that were opened in the last year. Even during COVID, there are some new venues that are happening outside of town, inside of town. I feel like we're, we are the volleyball center of the universe for a non-coastal city. You know, yes, obviously L.A. and San Diego and Fort Lauderdale and Miami, but some people say Chicago. There's not a bigger volleyball scene. And I would like to give some credit to San Juanbees for that. I mean, it started, you know, 10 years ago when it was 20 people, we, we would go play tournaments and no one knew each other. Now everybody knows each other and you pretty much have to advertise in the San Juanabies if you want to fill your event. And I've, I just, I've, we've built a community that's just growing and investors are starting to see that. So hopefully we become a destination. We, we already have a lot of pros coming year round. We have a hall of famer living in our city, you know? So it's just a matter of getting the word out and continuing on the path we are on. I feel like we are on an upward trajectory where maybe the AVP isn't and California isn't. We are they're, definitely they're always California is always going to be right here. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, I talked to a lot of the, uh, the college beach coaches and they, they say that besides California, Texas is the number two recruiting state Wow, you know, over, over Florida. So I think that, you know, that is a big, that's a big deal. I mean, I started before when I first got here in 2006, 2007 was my first summer. Um, I started my beach program. And it was just to get, cause there was no college stuff. And it was just to get the kids to do something different than what they're doing. You know, unfortunately these kids, I don't care what sport they're playing now. They play one sport for from age eight until they're done. Specializa <laughs> specialization is terrible. So, so uh, you know, yeah. to play, if you're going to play volleyball 
at least give them a break from indoors and go play beach. You know, use the same skill and it's going to make your indoor better and it's going to be better on your body. You know, those kind of, and you know, it's just, it's just a break, but I would like to give a shout out to, there are some Austin entities, um, Aussie's bar and grill. Danny Brinson owns it. Um, you have project serve with, with Bobby Jones. You have Tim Oliver at Woolies. Um, you have Ashley Ivy with AJV. You have you have some some stalwarts and that are really growing the game in Austin, and they do deserve credit because they were doing it when there wasn't much of a scene here, especially Aussies. I mean, if you've never been to Aussies downtown, two courts, you know, it's it's a one of a kind establishment, probably in the country for volleyball. So, I would like to at least let them know that hey, they've provided something special in this town, and there are other entities that are blowing up and popping up, but those 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 several entities definitely grew the game here and we'll definitely miss Aussies because that land has already been purchased but they're, they're close to downtown it was, could be, it was in, that could be years away so yeah, hopefully but <laughs> yeah. yeah so this is my last question I, I end every podcast with this um we'll start with you how would you like to be remembered oh boy <laughs> <laughs> how would I like to be remembered um I oh gosh um I guess somebody that uh you know gave 100 percent effort uh you know every every point um, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that doesn't look at, you know, look ahead and like, Oh, we need five points. Let's get five points. That, that bothers me more than anything. Let's get a pass and then let's set the ball and then let's hit the ball. So somebody that just gives a hundred percent effort, um, and never, never, uh, wants to die and is always just trying, you know, I'm, I love, I love giving back to the game that gave me everything. You know, I'm just out here to help people, you know, and if I can get the word out and, you know, I'm starting to work with some, some older adults, you know, that just want to, you know, they might be B double B players. They just want to be a little bit better. You know, they're not going to win, you know, the, the, you know, the Austin open, you know, but they just want to be a little bit better and, and have a good time and, you know, tell them some stories. Well, first of all, I can say it was an honor to sit at the table with a legend <laughs> give yourself the credit. And Adam too. Yeah, yeah. And Adam too. Give yourself the credit that you deserve. Um, I want to be remembered well, first of all, I, I'd like not to have this happen for a long, long time, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to remember just basically as a loyal friend that really just cared about having a good time and creating great events for that good time. I, I love being the facilitator. I'm not the ever the center of attention. The person is yet the dance party started, oh, <laughs> but I'll create the, <laughs> but I'll create the event. And I love being that event creator. So I hope people walk away with like, Hey, we Loved going to LJ's events, and they were always fun. There was good food, and there was mostly a good vibe, and that's really what it's about. Not good mostly, vibe. always. Always, yeah. 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 Well, I love it. Well, thank Every you. once in a while, there's a little drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's a lot. That's, that could be fun, too. Well, guys, it was a big pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. Really appreciate it. It was, it was, it was great to get in person and have a, you know, talk about volleyball. Thanks, thank, thanks for, for having sure. us. All right, cheers. All right.